This podcast explores the intersections of arts, culture, and creativity. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And I'm delighted to be in conversation with our next guest. Her expertise and talents make her a sought-after lifestyle expert, author, and media personality. She's also a media tech entrepreneur, founder of Ebo, EBO, a journalist uh, turned innovator. Please welcome Crystal I. Berger. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rob. I'm excited, 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 excited for this conversation. So thank you for coming. I, I see you have your blazer on, branded <laughs> out. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be. You know, that's what the I stands for inspire, but uh, no, no, I, I, I love to, um, I love color. So, you know, color is critical for me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Color is critical. Um, and, you know, the other eye is innovator, right? We, we'll talk about mm, that a little bit. Yes, we'll it see, is. See, yeah. I see you working. I've been reading. I've been reading. <laughs> so, as we get started, for the folks who are undipped and unfamiliar, you know, we have like on here, it's various conversations and people in various markets, right? Mm-hmm. So, they may not be aware of who you are and what, and what your background is. So if you will, could you share your background and your journey of your career as a journalist mm. before we get into like really deep into what things are, are at this point? Yeah, for sure. So I kind of fell into my dream that I had when I was like 15 years old. I used to watch this show on BET called Teen Summit, right? Uh, and Ananda Lewis was hosting and she was like one of the first brown skinny girls I saw on TV. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, but I really didn't know how to do it, right? And so I went on this journey of Going, becoming a teacher, going to law school. I have done it all, right? So just a non-traditional journalist. But uh, in this whole process of everything, I was taking a business planning and development class in Baltimore. At one point in time, I had a guy in my class named Dave Zake. Dave had an online magazine called Scene Baltimore, right? Mm-hmm. He comes in one day, Crystal, I need somebody to go out and interview some of the Baltimore Ravens. So my very first interview was with a Super Bowl MVP, yes, Ray Lewis. Yeah, so it was crazy. And so that's how I kind of fell into it. I started getting asked to come and interview all these other professional athletes. And then my one of my best girlfriends, she came to something I did for Terrell Suggs. And she said, um... B, because she calls me B. She's like, B, if you're going to do this, you need to really do it because, like, this is your zone. And so that's when I started to take it seriously. I went to a local broadcasting school at the time called the Broadcasting Institute of Maryland. Uh, It was a trade-like school. I had been out of college, like I said, for quite some time. And I was (laughs) running a business in the daytime. I was going to broadcasting school midday, and then I was interning at WJZ at night in their sports department because that's the only thing that ran that late, right, for interns. I was cutting tape and I, I, love, I grew up watching basketball and stuff like that so I was cutting tape for Mark Viviano <laughs> which was crazy um, and then I decided okay Chris if you're going to really do this then do it so I just started applying to top markets landed in New York at a cable news network not even at a local station and it was literally like boots on the ground crazy experience I used to go into work two hours early just to read in you know um, because I was like behind the curve. I was like an intern at a local station, and then I was at the number one cable news network. And so I started as a production assistant and just worked and hustled and worked and hustled until. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the long way to say, you know, I ended up um, as a national features host um, on Sirius XM and um, uh, Fox 24-7. So, so I land. I ended all that to say. I ended up, you know, uh, with a national news feature that aired on Sirius XM, also um, thirteen hundred stations nationwide, Fox affiliates, and I was a senior booking producer as well. Yeah. So 
It's crazy. That's that's a it's an interesting journey. Like you know, I, I hear sports in there. I hear some of those early sort of foundational things. It's like you got the questions beforehand, you know, because <laughs> uh, you definitely had had the answers. It's nice, tight, buttoned up. Like it's never hurts. It's, it's good. It's good. I like it. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I see in going over the background and in going over your your sort of like story from, you know, the documentation that's out there, the literature that's out there, if you will, you know, there is a shift from journalism to like innovation and being in a sort of media tech space. So could you talk about what led you to that shift, some mm-hmm. of the feelings that were, were there, some of the thinking that went on at that time? Absolutely. So first off, I never wanted to be a founder. You know, a lot of people think it's sexy and cool. And I'm like, oh, no, honey, I am not the tech kind of girl, right? Um, But in my role as a senior, you know, senior uh, booking producer and also as a features host, I was booking all of the talent for my podcast, for my news feature. You know about bookings for for your for your podcast and the work that you do. Um, and I realized, like, this is retarded that we're still doing this the 1989 kind of way. So that was the first thing, right? It was a lot of friction in the space, right? Um, but also, uh, because I was the only black woman in my newsroom for that entire decade that I was there full time, yes. Um, I increased diversity by about 85% because I was bringing in qualified people who happened to be of color because they were in my Rolodex. And so I started to question and say, what happens when I'm no longer here? Because I was getting to the point where I was at my um, ceiling in it all, right? And it was only so far I was going to be able to go there. And anyway, long, longest of stories, uh, one day, uh, this was pre-pandemic, around 2019 towards the end, I went to the restroom for like three minutes, like literally, Rob. I was like in the restroom for three minutes. I come back. My assignment editor is like losing his, losing his mind. Oh, my God, Crystal, where did you go? We need a guest for anchor coverage. And I I was looking at him like, dude, y'all can't book a person without me physically being in this seat. And that's when, like, the light first came on, right? Right. So I go back to my desk. I'm frustrated. I'm over being in New York and, and at Fox. And um, <laughs> I was like, why am I still here? Like, I'm having this conversation with God. Everybody knows I'm a believer. So I'm having this conversation with God. I'm like, God, why do you still have me here doing this? And it was like, because I want you to automate your job. So I'm like in the newsroom talking to myself. Oh, God, no, you don't. <laughs> Who's going to automate what, right? And... um I sat there that day, right, and I wrote down eight pages of notes on my job, like what I did, how I did it. So I started to call people like, hey, CNN, MSNBC, local stations, how do you book guests? You know I hate booking guests. It takes me forever. You know, that's the worst part of it. I just use so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. So the pain was consistent. The problem was consistent. And um, then I started to think maybe I need to build it, you know? And so I started researching, taking some courses, and and I took one coding class at the General Assembly, and it was free. And I was like, never again. So I was like, I knew I was going to have to find a team and all that kind of stuff to build it. But that was uh, when it started to really get real. Yep. And then once the pandemic hit, and we went from being in the newsroom full time mm-hmm. to full remote in like 48 hours. Like literally, they gave us laptops like, y'all going to go home and figure it out. Figure it out. <laughs> like literally figure it out. Hope your Wi-Fi like, is good. Right? I, hope, I hope you make it pop, right? And... That's what we ended up doing, you know, and that's when it validated, okay, you can actually produce and actually book guests from home without even being in that newsroom with their old antiquated systems. So that's how the innovation really came about. It wasn't like I wanted to do it. You know, it was just something that I know I was called to do. I I, I like that. I think, you know, over the 
last like few years having that, you know, I, I will say when I was home, you know, remote, you know, doing the day job, and I and I have a little bit of an IT, you know, data background. Mm. I've done some coding, mm. and um, I was trying to learn other things to do sort of this machine learning that we see a lot of now, mm. like the different chatbots, ChatGPT, and so on. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are writing papers, uh, people are writing books, you know, <laughs> using that. And um, and I and I just think it's interesting that it it's a component of how we shift the way that we do our work, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So if I go through and I'm like, all right, can I polish this? Can I improve what my pitch is to a guest? Mm-hmm. Hmm, what's out there? Let me scan, you know, maybe a chat GPT mm-hmm. or see other resources that are there to make my process flow a little bit easier. Because I find at a point I was getting like, so what do you want to do again? What is this interview about? It's like, here's a podcast. This is what it was about. Yeah, I didn't read any of that. What's your pitch again? <laughs> yeah. like, wow, it's literally like 15 words. Like, what are you saying? Mm, yeah. So... EBL. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so thought process behind starting that and like how ultimately, I guess with the work that you're doing now, like, and, and I think you touched on it a little bit, but how has your, your background in, in journalism like really supported the work and the endeavors that you're, you're doing now? Because mm-hmm. I can see it, but let's, for, for the folks in the back <laughs> that aren't here, for the folks in the back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so there are a lot of verticals into, you know, telling a great story, Right. Or getting a quality production. And it's the same people making the same decisions at the top. And it's kind of like you have to lead if you want to see a change, right? And outside of a lot of the biases and the barriers to entry in media, um, the lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion, the real thing is about, like, a business model, right? You know, it's like, is this the most efficient use of time and resources, right? So I'm a talented journalist. I'm in the newsroom. You know, I can host and all these other things, but I'm really, like, wasting my time trying to find a guest, like, half of the time, like half of my day, I'm trying to find these people. I'm vetting them. I'm calling. I'm scheduling. I'm talking to a publicist that doesn't even know their their client's pitch, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't want to do all of that, right? And so for me, with, e- with, with EBO, Ebo um, you know, I, I tell people that it really was about taking all of those processes and seeing who are the best people that should be seen and heard, you know, and it's, it's less about the, the color of their skin, you know, where they're from, and more about do they add value to this content, right? And I had such a dynamic Rolodex of people <laughs> just from 10 years in the newsroom, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like the top people in the world down to the most, you know, the neuroscientist that has a specialization in embryos and whatever, right? Um, And so I was like, I wanted to take all those pieces and put it together. But I think what really validated it for me was I had gotten call a call from a friend who had a publication at the time called Bold TV. Mm-hmm. And she was like a lifestyle kind of platform. But Black Women Talk Tech, they were hosting their annual conference in New York. She needed a journalist to go out and cover it. Somebody on her platform couldn't do it. I was like, well, let me go. You know, and it was like destiny because this is when it really opened up that I'm going to really make this a thing. Right. Because mm-hmm. I was still doing my research and seeing if it was worth my time, you know, that kind of thing. 
So this guy gets on the stage. It was a a session called How to Take Your Idea from a Dollar to a Million, right? Mm -hmm. And I go because I was like, oh, this would be a great one to write about, right, for the platform, for Bold. So I'm sitting there, and I'm up front, and I'm, like, taking notes, and I'm being, like, a journalist. (laughs) And this guy says, well, if you can build a product for an individual, that's great. But if it could service a group, that's even better. But if you service an enterprise, Mm -hmm. then you really have a business, like a real business. And so I was like, wait a minute. Ebo can. Individuals are the experts, right? The groups are the publicists and the local stations. And then the enterprises are your foxes and, you know, all these. And I said, okay, well, let's build a business, you know? And and that's what I did, Rob. Like, um, it wasn't hard for me as far as entrepreneurial in in that because I've I've always had that in me, right? And I think life was kind of teaching me, no, do what's safe, do what makes sense, not necessarily do what's organically in you. Like, I was doing hair in my mother's basement at 12 because I wanted to buy gas jeans, right? And that was just, you know, that's just what it was. Like, I knew what I wanted. My mother was like, I'm not buying that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to make some money to do it, right? So, like, ring dance night, I would have, like, 10 girls in the basement doing hair. Hold on, hold on. Step back real quick. Ring dance. (laughs) Where was this ring dance at? Paul Lawrence Dunbar Senior High School, the best high school in Baltimore City yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah, I'm just saying. Oh, please. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, if you say so. I mean, tell me about your Sam Cassell. (laughs) Tell me about your Reginald F. Lewis. Tell me about your Muggsy Bogues. I mean, I'm I'm listening. I'll put it this way. Lafayette Projects, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's where I that's where I'm from. (laughs) And when I went over there, I popped over there to Dunbar. I was like, yo, so um, what what are we trying to do? They were like, yeah, you got some summer reading to do. I was like, nah. (laughs) But see, that's why we were the best in the city. So we were the... What was it? Um, what was it called then? Pre? Was it pre? College prep. Yeah, yeah. We were college prep. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, um, I went to Dunbar. So I had a lot. You know, so I had a lot of great experiences too, right? Like, it was so crazy. I know you didn't ask me about this, but like one of my second interviews was with Dion Sanders. Okay, prime. Yeah, like nice. prime time. Yeah. Prime time was my second interview, but it's it's crazy because I remember being at Dunbar in the auditorium, and he came and spoke. Right, he had on this purple jogging suit. That's right. <laughs> As what as as Dion should right you know purple jogging suit and I think I was like in the tenth grade I was like fifteen I even can remember what I had on that day like yeah. I still remember it that's how how epic it was like in my growth and development but like when I was interviewing him. I was like, is this real? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is this really happening? And so I think all of it translates to Evo because a lot of times we think there are things that we can't do because we don't have a certain background. Like, I'm a total non-technical founder. Right. If you gave me some, some math and some code right now, I would fail the test. Okay? But... I'm the person that was designed to build this product, right? And so I like to share that because when you when you have those full circle moments, you realize like you can create whatever you want. Yeah. Right? It might not be easy, right? You might not have friends who could give you the startup capital like some other people have, but you can make it work. And 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 that that's the main thing about Ebo that I would love to convey is like if you have something that's innovative and you know it's a solution to a problem, build it. It's possible. Ebo is a good example of that, and a great example, actually. And, you know, 
in listening to that sort of component there, mm-hmm. right, of, now you can make this happen. And I had to realize that and sort of building this out. And, you know, as I was talking to you before we got started, going into it, this was literally, I knew what the why was, or mm. the why was, I'm pissed. That was the why. <laughs> it's like, no, you ain't going to be talking about Baltimore that way, you orange shop of button. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I can't say all these four-letter words. Mm. I was like, I need to add something that's kind of a, a counter-argument, mm. but also more than a counter-argument, I'm petty. So <laughs> let's disprove this by having these interviews with mm. folks who are doing interesting work, who are a part of what it is here, and as I extend out, like kind of other cities as well, they kind of have that same thing. Like, you know, as I'm doing a lot of interviews in Philadelphia, you know, in that same swath of like, yo, we're going to take shots at Baltimore. He was taking shots at Philly at the same time. Mm. And I was like, huh, Philly is like 70% black. Baltimore is about 70%. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to have conversations with a litany of different people using that sort of, do you have an interesting story? Do you want to share it? How is it connected to the city? How is it connected to like culture, preservation, things of that nature? Mm. That fits. Yeah. That fits what I'm trying to do. So, but going into it, I was purely behind the scenes. I would not be able to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And in trying to grow it out and even doing, like, we were on a, we were on a panel together, you know, <laughs> doing something like that. Like, literally, mm-hmm. I, lived across the, I lived across the street from where we were at. Mm-hmm. So when I was asked to do it, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to say here. <laughs> and just kind of learning most of these things on the fly. And once I have, like, a sense of, okay, this is what I need to do, then I know that I can do it. Then mm. I'm taking these larger swings at these bigger things, mm-hmm. but not having a background in journalism, kind of being self-taught in this sort of like space and really trying to figure out like, all right, what's a good question? What's interesting? And not trying to fake it either. Because, mm-hmm. you know, writing down like, oh, this is an interesting question. Let me ask something else off the cuff. And getting considerably better than where I was. I used to have this this question I was in uh, that was not even part of the rapid fire portion, which is kind of just hodgepodge at the end. But... I used to ask people, like, what's your favorite curse word? And I was like, that's great, <laughs> but that's definitely a James Lipton question. Yeah, right, right, right. Mm. So, and going back into it, you're, you you mentioned that you don't have, like, a tech background, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I would imagine there there are other challenges that are, are sitting there as far as being a, being a founder, going into it. So, talk about some of those, like, really big challenges and, like, how you've kind of, like, gotten past them, like, I, I will say one of the things I've been hearing a lot recently, and I don't know if it's a challenge, but it's new. Mm. You don't look like a podcaster. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I, it's, right. It's the height, isn't it? <laughs> it's the height. So mm. are you running into like, any unique challenges that you may not have faced from the sort of the journalism mm. background? Because, you know, I understand race is a component. I understand so, being a woman is a component. Mm-hmm. So what are some of those challenges you've encountered, and how have you, like, dunked on them? Oh, <laughs> listen, well, look, my slam dunk is always, my alley-oop is always, you know, opportunity is in the challenge, right? And I think it's all about your mindset and your perception. And so I have to be really cautious around framing them as challenges because, you know, I was the non-traditional black girl to be at Fox News, right? I was at Fox News Channel, you know what I'm saying? And so, and again, like I mentioned, the learning curve was still high, even though I studied English and communications in undergrad, I wasn't prepared for a network newsroom journalism opportunity. And so... I would say for me, I think in in working in tech, the 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 thing that has uh, frustrated me more than anything else is um, not actually 
understanding what code looks like, right? Because I'm a make it happen type of person. Like the the fear does not exist in me for whatever crazy reason. I'm just gonna get up and go and be in spaces and places. And you know, it's like the cash money story, right? I don't know if people know about cash money, Please. but I mean, you know, cash money. They were so ignorant of the industry that they went in and they negotiated one of the best deals out here, right? They're like, no, if y'all want us, it's a hundred million, period. And it was a it was a historic deal, right? And so. I think that has been a benefit. Like ignorance has been a, 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 like a like a benefit to me in this space because I didn't know what it really took to build a product, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if I did, I wouldn't I wouldn't have went on a journey, Rob. Like honestly, I'm like, oh no, I'm good on that. Let me just keep my little cute little job <laughs> and just live life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I think it's just like the not knowing of certain aspects of building, especially around like code. Like I, I had a, my first team of developers. God bless them. God bless them. <laughs> Right. But they uh, they 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 were coding and they weren't coding. They came from a government space versus an enterprise space. And so just for the listeners out here who may want to go into tech and they're non-technical, you know, the way you build an enterprise product is very different than the way you build a government product, because government, you have time. It's like, you know, they want a very minimal type of product. Right. It doesn't have to really be innovative or, you know, and the, there's this thing called waterfall and all these other little technical terms that you learn over time. Right. So, but enterprise, you need to iterate very quickly, especially mm-hmm. in times like the pandemic where everything is changing. Like, think about where we were, like, figuring out Zoom at the top of the pandemic to chat GPT right now. Yeah. Right? That's like light years, right, away from one another, even though we know the chat GPT was being built for quite some time, Absolutely. right? But to see the iterations of technology in that short window of time, enterprise products need to be really, really mm-hmm. uh, moving quickly. And so this first team, they didn't, they were more more reactive versus proactive. So I would have to go in and tell them, like, look, dude, okay, you built this feature, but what should happen next, like, in the logical flow of things? And because I had been in the newsroom, I knew what the flow needed to be, even though I didn't know how to code. So the deficit in knowledge around coding was it took me a little longer, right, to do what I needed to do because I'm not a coder and I can't look at code and say, oh, this line of code doesn't make sense. But the gift in it all is that I had been in those spaces so long that I could really navigate around like the roadblock right and so I think that's one thing you know I think the other part of it is uh, a lot of people have this narrative around um, black women and funding right which is true and I'm not negating that this data is what it is. Like, you know, less than 1% of black women get VC funding, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the number. But I believe if you stay focused on that number, you will be a part of that 99 point such and such percent that don't get funding, right? Or you can look at it like, well, how can I fund my own business to the point where I am actually, like, undeniably fundable? Yeah. And I say that because I got to speak to a gentleman once, random call. A girl I went to the gym with was like, my brother's like a friend is a guy who's had a startup. He sold it. He never has to work again. I was like, well, I need to talk to him because I need to know how he did it, right? Ended up being a younger black man, 43, sold his company. He was like, you know, for an insane amount of money, I think it was around $126 million he sold his company for. 
And as I'm talking to him, he said, listen, I hear all this stuff that they say. He was like, you know, you could be overqualified, have the best product crystal, have the best founder background. He's like, make yourself undeniably fundable. And what does that mean? Get sales through the door. He's like, to where, you know, if you want to take someone else's money, then you can, but it's on your terms, you know? And so I think for me, again, looking at it, not necessarily as a challenge, but as an opportunity to say, hey, let me go out here and sign these contracts. And then if I need or want your money, it's really going to be based upon how I want to navigate the relationship versus in a desperation space. I would say the two things is like a knowledge deficit, actually having to navigate some of the hurdles around funding. I think those are the primary things, but I don't think that they're anything that you can't get past, you know? 100%. Thank you. Um, I think your your probably life has uh, been throwing this term around in that sort of way of thinking, I suppose. I've been calling it, uh, they don't have a vision. Right. You know, because folks will reach out, hey, we want you to do this. And then because I'm a person and I know the things that I have to do and what it might mean, no, I don't really like that part of this. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you need this money? Mm, no, not really. Not really, right. <laughs> the fun word need. Yeah. And it would be nice to have it. It would be nice to be able to extend and do those different things. But I think anyone, especially if they look like you and I, and definitely having that extra component of being a woman that's in tech, that's another thing <laughs> that's wild. Um, it's kind of like, oh, you have extra you know, mm-hmm. things that are in front of you. It's almost like a, a it's almost like, you know, a, a, a what is it, a, a club sandwich of things <laughs> in the way. It's like, oh, here's another level of bread I didn't want. And I, I think going to a, a spot hat in hand, and I, I think it just doesn't work. You're yeah. always going to, like, kind of undersell because there is that, that desperation. Mm-hmm. But I think if you go in there, you're like, I know what my product is. Absolutely. I may know that this sort of deficit of I don't know the code. In short period of time, right, and this relates. Like, my background is in SQL, right? Mm-hmm. And when I first took a job that required some SQL knowledge, it was very minimal knowledge I was told I needed to have. Mm-hmm. It then turns out it was a lot more <laughs> I needed to have, and I didn't keep that job. So now, in the last few years, my job is almost 100% SQL. Mm-hmm. And it made me curious and interesting, so, and interested. So now other um, organizations in the same sort of space are like, oh, we need that skill set. We're going to pay you this mm-hmm. 30, 40 grand more than what I'm making from the day job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this needs to be flexible because this is actually of interest for me. Yeah. Doing this podcast and doing this this sort of project, that's the thing that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming in making very specific cash money like terms. There you go. <laughs> and I'm like, look, man, it's got to be this. <laughs> it's got to be this. And, and, and I think that's the thing about it, right? Like, uh, many, and I'm going to be real specific here, many black people need to shift the paradigm in their mind and operate in a space of entitlement, right? Because I understand that, yes, this is your money, but you're going to make a lot more money mm-hmm. off of me you're and my innovation, yeah. right? You're going to get a lot out of it, right, if you bet on me. And it's, you're actually going to lose if you don't, right? And so I think that that's the other part of it that... Um, knowing your greatness in the space and also knowing like yo google me you know like I, I I would just say that right like you might not I'm not Mariah Carey or a name like that or Elon Musk but if you google me like my resume is insane like I'm vetted and so it's like understanding that I bring all of that capital to the table which is not necessarily monetary but it's capital it's like oh my god like I've interviewed world leaders you know I've hosted at the United Nations you know I've been on you know in NBA all-star sideline, you know, in the press box. And so I just, I think that it's really being able to 
know your value Mm -hmm. and walk in the door knowing that you know your value. Because if you don't, you're really going to compromise it and really kind of like uh, water it down. Yeah, I I think we we do have a habit that 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 presents itself. Like, I don't know if I deserve this. (laughs) And I have people who tell me, like, especially like prominent people, interviews that have not come out yet Mm. that are like, nah, I know who you are. And this is a huge publication, like, you know, founders of, you know, and editors and, you know, editors chief editors, all of that stuff of, like, really huge publications that are aware of what I'm doing and are like, no, hey, when can I come to Baltimore? We can check out a museum together. Right. Establishing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh. So somehow I have this value externally and this sort of connection externally to be able to relate to people. And, you know, people see it. It's like, oh, you're here for the creativity and the conversation. <laughs> yes. And that's something. So when these different entities here, and I'll use that term, mm-hmm. might reach out it's like you guys want something. Maybe it's for that same thing. I don't look like a podcaster, but it's something about this market, maybe, mm-hmm. that this this sort of group that you're trying to connect to. So, hey, we can have you in our pocket. It's the Yankees. <laughs> you know, to use another <laughs> yeah, sports thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so talk about, um, if you will, like how do you stay up to date like on some of these key trends that are within the industry, within the space that you're in, in, in media, in media tech? How do you stay up to date? Because... <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot that comes flying at you from the different publications. Um, is it just, you know, this is this is techie. Is there a feed that you're, like, curating? Like, well, mm. can I just get this? I don't want none of the bunk. Well, you know, it's funny. I, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Morning Brew, right? I love their newsletter. Like, because I think technology is a extension of the market, right? Mm-hmm. And seeing what's happening in the market. And so um, I'm... Not even a finance girl, but I I watch these things because it really is showing you about human behavior, right? Um, And I am a reader, but I'm not like a reader of all things trending because that can get a little overwhelming, especially when you're building something, right? You'll start to want to integrate everything, and then the product becomes something that it's not intended to be. But like I like to watch the markets and see how human behavior is operating, right? Um, Seeing trend, I do have a lot of conversations with people, and I stay around young people, right? You know, like um, one of my she used to be my mentee, but now she's like my little sister, right? But she's a grown woman. She's a dynamic publicist. And so she tells me about different trends. She's like, sis, you need to get onto Twitter and look at the hashtag journal, you know, journal requests. And it was showing me the different types of requests that journalists are looking for in these types of, you know, in this climate, right? And so a lot of the trending news is there just on the hashtag. And so just looking at, okay, well, Crystal, if they're looking for cybersecurity experts on a consistent basis, you need to start to fill more of your pipeline in your technology with that. And so I think just watching human behavior has been a huge benefit for me. But I don't, you know, like some people like all of the new releases and things. That's not my thing, right? Like, I mean, I have an Android and, and, a, and an iPhone, um, but I'm I'm on my Android all the time and I won't upgrade. I'm not going to do it, right? Well, that's why that text message didn't go through. <laughs> oh, just Androids. Oh, man. I don't know what was happening. I'm just saying, you know, but I'm going to tell you that phone photo on that Android is going to come out better than that Apple um, photo. But, uh, no, we got the shaky uh, cam. You can run with it. I don't know. I don't know. But you're right. You're right. You're yeah. Fair, fair. Yeah. You know, I mean, but I mean, I think that's the thing. I think some folks, you have to know your lane and where you operate in a space. And also, because I'm really looking at updating a legacy model like newsrooms and production and things like that, that really don't even integrate much technology at all, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to over whelm them with all these things that they're not ready for, right? Because the newsrooms still look a certain way, mm-hmm. right? And if you want them to use your tool, you have to make sure that it speaks to them as well. 
But for me, it's just human behavior. How are people finding who they're finding? You know, what are some of the trends looking at the markets and seeing what's happening and innovation and um, kind of just sitting still with it, digesting it and really having conversations with people like, hey, what are you using? What works for you? What's bad about it? Right. Being a being a consistent student is the gift in all of it. Even when you were talking about launching your podcast. Right. You have to be a student of your craft to get better. Right. And um, I listened to some of my first stuff that I did when I was was like, this is terrible. Like, if you Google that Ray Lewis interview. (laughs) So, Ray, when you're out there tackling, right, what's the feeling that goes through your head? Are you you doing the squirrel in your head as you're tackling? It was it was that. Like, I watch it and I'm like, this is painful. I'm like, thank God I look good. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, this was the young crystal, too. But uh, anyway, so. But no, that's, yeah. that's that's great. And I, <laughs> and I think um, two, two things. And one I wanted to touch back on from earlier because I, I forgot to mention it. Um, but definitely I've been in the newsroom like twice. Right. Mm. And it definitely looked like it looks on a TV. I was like, this <laughs> looks like the HBO show. I was like, Correct. I don't want to be in here right now. This just feels. Like high mm. stress and, and, and like tailored shirts. I don't like it. Absolutely. And um, the other thing I, I think, back to the whole like booking gas component, because I, I, so on occasion, what I run into is I'm trying to book someone, I put that out there, and then I might get a publicist, I might get someone that's just working with them. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, so can you send us the analytics? Can you, can you do this? Can you do that? And that's like, no, thanks. I don't, I don't know if this is a fit anymore. Right. And, and that's the way I have to, like, work around it mm. because I think, and, it, and this ties, I think, I think because, you know, podcasting has gotten really weird over the last few years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of money going there and people have a lot of different stories. Hey, 10,000 um, downloads a month. If you're not doing that, you're not doing anything. Mm. I've had radio stations tell me, like, no, you're doing just fine. And... You know, so it's interesting. So when, you know, people reach out about the trends that are happening in that space, I'm like, I don't, I avoid that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't listen. I listen to interviews from other people because what I do is actually an interview thing, not this barbershop podcast because everyone should do one. Right. Hey, just, just talk about sex and weird stuff. Right. And then you trend. I mean, you could get analytics and numbers from that. You know, I think that that's the thing, right? Like coming from the newsroom space, um, you know, we had some stuff that just with flatline, you know, and we're a national network with millions of views every single day, right? But nobody was clicking the button for certain for certain conversations. And so I think that it just depends on what matters to you, right? And I think something that you mentioned earlier was about the why. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are doing this stuff and they don't have a why. They just want the, the fame or the money. And we all want some accolades for the work that we do. We all want to pat, pat our pockets. I know I do. Uh, you know, I don't play with coming to my coins. Anybody know that? But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to be very cautious that you don't dilute who you are because you're chasing an analytic, right? And also with Evo, which you just mentioned around this middleman, this middle person, Mm -hmm. this might be the perfect guest for your podcast, but the middleman is putting friction Mm -hmm. into the equation. And so that's something that has been a goal with the product as well, right? We do have access for publicists to put their clients under a profile in in Evo, but there's also the opportunity for subject matter experts that may have a publicist and it's not landing, right? Right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, why am I not getting bookings? Because it might be the friction of the wrong publicist, the publicist that doesn't know your brand, doesn't know the pitch, don't doesn't know where you would have the best, most spirited conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's a lot of verticals that go into, you know, the booking component, right? Mm-hmm. That I would have never known if I hadn't have been in that newsroom for so long, you know? That's great. 
So I want to, I want to take it to Baltimore on this like last two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as like we can go specific to your industry or we can go specific um, in, in, in terms of um, entrepreneurs like overall but for you know entrepreneurs media tech entrepreneurs in Baltimore how can they like build their network and connect um, with other founders investors and industry mm. leaders like what is that climate like as far as people <laughs> connecting because you know at times I see okay you got this click here you got these people doing these things and you hear social entrepreneurship thrown out there um, and you know it's a lot of great work that's happening but just getting a sense of like where do people connect Mm, that's a great question Rob and I have to be fully transparent you know I came from a New York market I was in New York for 11 years Mm -hmm. and then I came back to Baltimore mid pandemic right Mm -hmm. and I wasn't even in tech yet and so for me um, I kind of fell into the people who would add value to the work that I do right Um, and I'm in the point now where I'm feeling like I kind of need a little bit be a little bit more intentional about it all. Um, But I'm self-funded. Like, I'm bootstrapped, and I've bootstrapped with my own money. And I don't see these spaces as spaces where I have to be, right? Um, And so my my take on it is a little different. It's funny, I had a lunch with another younger founder. She's probably about 20 years younger than me um, the other day, and I was seeing that she was a little jaded around the... the, um, communities here in Baltimore, right, who weren't really feeding the purpose. And I had to just give her advice that I had, you know, for myself in the newsroom. And it was like, go into these spaces expecting nothing but receiving everything, right? And create your own opportunity, right? Because you have a lot of spaces that say that they're about certain missions, but when you look at their data points, they aren't reaching those missions. So the question is, is if you're going to participate in these programs and you're going to have these conversations or whatever, how do you make these things work for you despite what they say they're going to give you, right? And so I think no matter where you end up, first, I mean, Google is, you know, we had to go, I used to have to go to the library on Pratch, whatever street that was, Cathedral Street with the card catalog, right? Like, you got, you have your phone, you have access to everything. You have, not only do you have Google, you now have chat GPT. Right? Like it feels like a commercial for them. <laughs> but, like, I was up one night till four in the morning just on there, just putting in all kinds of random questions mm-hmm. and amazed at how intuitive this technology is. But, you know, so I encourage people to really research your data points. Like, who do you want to be around, right? Who do you want to build? What type of community do you want to be in in the tech space? And it doesn't always have to look like you, right? Because when you look at the data around, you know, black founders specifically or black and brown founders, the numbers can be a little disheartening, right? So what type of spaces do you need to have access to? And start to just email those folks. What what I've always seen about Baltimore is that people... Uh, we're a pretty giving community, no matter what people say, right? And so with me jumping back into this space, I just started reaching out to people like, hey, I'm back. This is what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, but have your stuff together and also be a value add to them, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that's where you get the most benefit is when you're being technically like really of service. And so when I reach out to people, it's never just, oh, I need this, right? I'm very clear on my ask, right? Mm-hmm. And as a CEO, I want to talk to CEOs, period, when I'm talking about doing business. And so I've been, you know, just blessed in the respect that I can articulate that clearly to people and then say to others, like, hey, how can I be of service to you, right? And I think that's when you know you have a beautiful bomb product, right? Because not only 
do you add value to them, you're adding value to the community that they service. And when you look at your product like that, you're not just going for something from them, right? It's it's a mutually beneficial working relationship. It's not a transaction. It's actually a relationship, you know? And so I would say uh, kind of don't listen to too much of the noise, yeah. right? Look at the data, understand the data, know what it is, right? And if people aren't meeting their metrics, Bring it to their attention in a way that it benefits you and that particular organization. Um, but for me, I think it's 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 less about trying to be a part of the clique, right? Mm-hmm. And more about seeing how you can add value to the entities that are out here. Um, because in that value add, you're going to get value. That's well said. And I think you hit the other question I had in there. So, so shout might, out to you. <laughs> shout out to you. I might have. Journalist at some time, but you know, at some point in my career. <laughs> so, this is the part that's going to really, you know, put you on an island now because this is the rapid fire portion of the podcast. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. I'm bad with that, but go ahead. I'm listening uh, okay, to Yeah, see, see, I have, I have the journalist background <laughs> here. Like, oh, I'm not prepared for this. All right, so I got I got five questions for you. Okay. Um, there, you know, we, we look for these short answers. Brevity is key. Um, mm-hmm. I may have used Chat GPT to come up with these. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so, so, here's the first one. What is the, and people get weird with the term favorite, but what is the favorite country you've visited? Oh, the Dominican Republic. Nice. Um, You know, sometimes we work super long hours. I know that I was out yesterday and I had to eat something that was demonic. (laughs) I went to McDonald's for the first time in like 10 years. Oh, God. (laughs) At like 11.30. I was like, I'm a degenerate. Yeah, yeah. But I needed something. You should have just ate the bag. That would have been more nutritious. All I had was Tito's in my system. (laughs) So I was like, I need to eat something. Well, then he needed to put something on top of the Tito's. Okay. (laughs) So what is your go-to late night meal? This is going to sound so boring. Go ahead. Cashews. Salted or unsalted? <laughs> unsalted. Oh, man. What, what is happening? If you would have said salted, I'd have been like, okay, cool. See, I'm, 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 with you on that. I'm bougie. Like, I like the the Thai chili uh, cashews. Mm, those are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good. Those are good. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to at least stay a, look, a little youthful looking. I can't be eating no McDonald's and all of that. Yeah, okay, i just been banging with since all of this. Uh, <laughs> describe your work in one word. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. I was going to say innovative. Uh, <laughs> what was the last book you read? Mm, last book. Um, Built to Sell. And lastly, um, what is a must-do daily activity for you? Like, the day is not gone right unless I've gone to the gym, unless I've had this coffee or whatever. What is the must-do for you? Pray. Okay. That's kind of it for my questions, and I want to open it up to you because um, it's about giving here, right? Mm. Uh, being of service. <laughs> being of service. So um, the floor is yours to share anything that you want to share in the final moments, website, social media, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Oh, I mean, if, if you're a subject matter expert that is looking to get bookings, go to joinebo.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about me as a journalist, you can go to Crystal Burger. That's B-E-R-G-E-R.com. And I just learned, like, yesterday, like, not even a month ago, so my middle Middle name is Elise, I-L-I-S-E. And someone was like, go on chat, GPT, another plug for them, and figure out what's your middle name. I never knew the na- meaning of my middle name. I don't think my mother even knows the meaning of my middle name. And it is God's Oath. 
beautiful. There you go. There you go. I'm going to close there because that is what, you know, I, I, f- I feel like the work is that we're doing. The work you do, the work that I'm doing, it's like the oath that you make to your community, to your people. You know, um, like I said, I'm a girl born and raised in Baltimore. I, supposed to be a statistic. Thank God I'm not. And so I'm excited to be here. And thank you for having this conversation with me. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Crystal I. Berger for coming on to the podcast. Uh, Media Tech, get in on it. And, and I'm Rob Lee for Crystal I. Berger saying that there's art, community, culture, and technological innovation, especially in the media space and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Oh,